What is good, everybody? Welcome to another Niners Nation podcast. This is Under Review with Stats and Vish. Vish is going to hop on shortly, just as soon as he gets uh, through with some work stuff. If you're new to the show, you haven't joined us before, uh, this is where we basically take a deeper look at what happened on Sunday with the 49ers. Luckily, it's a happy recap today because the Niners got the win 22-16 to over the Chargers on Sunday Night Football. We'll take your questions your comments, and we'll play some uh, post-game cuts that we, Vish and I are going to react to because, as always, some weird stuff gets said in the post-game. Also, there's a strange thing happening with Terry McCauley and the and the touchback rule. So we're going to get to all of that. Uh, before we do, I just want to remind you, please rate, review, and follow the Niners Nation Podcast Network. We always love your reviews. If you leave it, we will read it. Also want to give a shout-out to Homage. They have the absolute best 49ers gear out there. It's different than the stuff you see on NFL.com. It's different than the stuff you see anywhere. Case in point, I got my Victory Monday shirt, which you can see if you're watching on YouTube or Twitch or anything. Victory Monday, baby. And it is for the 49ers, which is absolutely fantastic. And uh, we got a lot to break down in this one. As I'm just getting a text from uh, from Vish here. Hopefully we can uh, get him working here as I stall for a half a second. Um, I thought the defense was incredibly impressive on Sunday night and not getting enough credit because they absolutely shut down the chargers. They basically had one good drive. And other than that, D'Amico Ryan's unit was friggin' masterful. So they don't get enough credit because the, the offense kind of didn't really hold up their end of the bargain. They scored 22 points. They had no problem driving the ball down the field, no problem going up and down the field, but they couldn't cash it in when they got there. That was the frustrating part. You don't get any points for going up and down the field. So, all right, let's see. Vicious here. What's up, Vicious? You got me? Yeah, what's up? The link kept... I've been trying to join since, you know, 11.59 Central Time. The link kept removing me. I kept coming in, hearing your voice, and kept getting removed. I'm not sure what the issue was. Yeah, you kind of sound like Kyle Shanahan there, Vish. Oh, well, we drove up and down the field. <laughs> we just didn't score touchdowns. Right, but we had 400 yards of total offense, Rob. Right here, look at us right here. We're going to give you one hour of a show, but for the third straight time, I'm two minutes late. Stock down. No, it's fine. Stock Don't worry down. about it. Uh, I was just talking about the offense and how frustrating it is that they haven't scored. Um, let's just let's just jump right into it, Vish. Here's Kyle Shanahan after the game talking about the offense. I don't get too caught up. And then we had 400 yards offense. We were two for five in the red zone. Um, I think we got a lot more points if uh, we can score a touchdown on those last play. I mean, on those plays instead of field goals. Um, I didn't feel like it wasn't that we couldn't move the ball or do stuff like that. I felt like guys made a lot of plays. I felt, um, I don't know how many we averaged to play, but I know we were moving it. Um, We were the better offense today. Um, We just got to score more touchdowns. And um, I mean, that's about certain plays and trying to get in there. Okay, you were the better offense today. Well, you were playing against the Chargers defense who had nobody. The Chargers are playing against the 49ers defense. That quote bothered me, Vish. That's like saying, I can't even think of an appropriate analogy because I'm so angry. You got to score touchdowns. Yards are not worth any points. I, I think that quote, like, I think there is validity to the quote, right? Like, if Ayuk does catch that football, they score, what, 25, I want to say? But don't do that. This, this Niner fans are the king of that. Well, if this happened, if that happened, if everything it, went perfectly all the time, they'd be great. <laughs> 
Well, I, I don't want to do that exactly, but I do think that needs to be mentioned because that particular thing is not on Shanahan, right? You get a good call. Brandon Ayuk is one-on-one. -on -one. He runs a good route. Garoppolo put him on him, put it on him. Maybe it was like two inches behind him, but like you can't ask for a better throw. Like I, I see people on Twitter calling Brandon Ayuk a top 10 receiver in the league and stuff like that. I see Niners fans saying those kinds of things. Well, if he's that, he's got to make that play. There's no excuses. But I, I think the bigger question with the red zone is that the lack of aggression is, is the is to me the issue. Um, it, it's when they go to the red zone, they're going to try to get two runs in at least. It feels like two <laughs> yards in or less. There's no play action. They're going to bang it in. And if McCaffrey battles his way into the end zone, they're going to score. If he doesn't, they're not going to score. That's what it feels like the red zone offense is to me. And then when they get into maybe the higher low red zone, which is like five to 10 yards, they put Garoppolo in the shotgun and they just go drop back pass. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know when's the last time we've seen a little bit of red zone trickery from Shanahan where one guy goes in motion, one guy goes in motion. We toss it here. Maybe it was the call against Carolina when they screw us through a screen pass for a touchdown to Tevin Coleman. But I, I think the lack of aggression and then it's a little predictable to me in the red zone right now. I, I don't, again, I, I'm going off the top of my head, but I can't remember the last time. Oh, well, I guess against the Rams, they had a play action call in third and third and goal where they were going to throw it to the flat to McCaffrey, got covered up. Garoppolo did a good job getting his to his second read and making a good throw to Kittle. So you have instances like that. But to be inside the five-yard line twice <coughs> and kick two field goals, that's not going to get the job done against other teams. And that's exactly what Andre said watching on YouTube. No excuse to not be able to score touchdowns in the red zone. Kicking three field goals all the time will not work against great teams. The three field goals they kick combined for 66 total yards. That's how long all of them were put together. You have to be able to punch it in. And, and when you kick these field goals, you keep the other team in the game, Vish. That's what's frustrating me. Other inferior teams are being kept in the game because Kyle won't grow a pair and go for the freaking touchdown. What is so terrifying about the other team starting at the two-yard line? Why is he so petrified of that scenario? And he always talks about how – I think I've heard him make this exact statement. I'm sure you have the audio for it because I'm sure that I, – I, I know you. Uh, I don't know how many people on YouTube know you. I know I when I heard Shanahan make that statement post game, I knew like, oh, Rob is just seething like something broke in Rob's house. He threw something <laughs> when he made the statement of, oh, we I was thinking about it, but we lost yards on third and short. And so we didn't go for it. How many times have we heard him say that? How many times have we heard him say, I was thinking about it, but third down didn't go the way we thought. So then we're going to go for it on fourth down when when. He says, I'm thinking about it. To me, that third down call should be part of thinking about it. That third down call, if you're thinking about going for it on fourth down and you really believe you want to go for it, you're going to, you're, if you run it on third down and you get no gain, fourth and two, third and one, it, to me, it's not that big of a difference. To me, Shanahan, the big reason I, I think he says stuff like that is, Rob, you know what I think it is? Unless game situation forces them to go on fourth down, I don't think he wants to go for it unless no. they can run a quarterback sneak. He's Unless terrified. they can quarterback sneak, 
I don't think he wants to go for it on fourth down. And that's why if it's third and one and it's a full one yard, it's not the half yard. It's not the index with index card with Gene Steratore. <laughs> if it's the full yard, there's a he and they don't get they don't it they get stuffed right like in the red zone. Christian McCaffrey got stuffed on third and goal. It was third and goal from the two. And Shanahan said, "Well, I thought I was considering it, but we lost yardage. No, you didn't lose yardage. Christian McCaffrey just got stuffed. Well, also, if, so what?" Yeah, but, <laughs> like, but I don't think he's going for it because to me that consideration is, oh, if McCaffrey gets one yard on this run, then we're fourth and goal at the one, and now I can quarterback sneak. To me, going for it on fourth down with Shanahan seems to be synonymous, can I quarterback sneak? And if I can't quarterback sneak, I don't think he's interested in going for it in these short yard situations. It's terrible. Field goals are failures. I keep telling people there's like three scenarios ever where a field goal is actually a successful play. You got to go for it, especially against good teams. We saw it against the Chiefs. They had a chance to stay in that game early. They didn't do it. Now, great. They didn't stop the Chiefs all day. But the point is, if you're going to have a chance to stay with these teams, you're going to have to do it because their offense doesn't score enough, Vish. It just doesn't. They score 20 points a game. right? And that's with all these weapons. And if I got to hear one more person say, don't worry, it's coming. You could see it. The offense is coming. We're halfway through the season already. None of these guys are new except for Christian McCaffrey. What are we waiting for? I'm tired of hearing that the offense is coming. No, it's not. This is what it is. You are what you are. And the 49ers offense is not good enough to be this conservative. And I'm someone who's been saying that, right, Rob? It's funny that you say that straight to me because I feel like I've been telling you on this show, well, they need continuity, all of that. To me, yesterday was a little bit, I moved off of that opinion. And let me tell you why. Coming off a bye week, With this many guys returning from injury and all of them, Elijah Mitchell, Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, all had a full week of practice. Trent Mm -hmm. Williams, every one of these guys practiced together. And this is the offensive performance you can muster up, right? They were good on the script, right? They went, they had two long drives on both scripts, one to start the first half, one to start the second half. But the fact that there were still execution and errors in those drives that led to them not scoring. Yes, Rob, I think it's a little bit more disconcerting. Um, than people want to talk about because this was the same issues at the start of 2021. And really there's been only one stretch with within the two year stretch that we've seen this core, like this group with Trent Williams, Kittle, Debo, IU kind of mm-hmm. at this level playing together. It's that one stretch when they moved Debo to running back and they had three or four weeks last year at Cincinnati at Seattle um, and a few games in, in between versus Minnesota versus Atlanta, where they had very good offensive performances. Besides that, it was a bad, it was an inconsistent offense early in the season where stats got skewed by a phenomenal week one performance against a horrible Detroit defense um, in 2021. And then it was horrible in the playoffs. And now, I mean, it's a good offense, right? They get yards. They're a top 10 offense in terms of yards, in terms of DVOA. They're scoring 20 points a game, and they have a guy in Debo Samuel who had, what, 14 touchdowns last year? I mean, George Kittle is a big-time player. Christian McCaffrey has had 10-plus touchdowns um, in his in a season in his career before. It shouldn't be this difficult. I think the hard – here's, to me, the biggest indictment of the 49ers offense so far. And they won this game, so it's hard to be critical. But to me, everything feels so labored when I watch this offense, right? Yep. To go down the field against the Chargers, it's still a 14-play, 67-yard drive. There's no big plays. There's no bailout. Everything is we got to execute up and down the field. It feels labored, and I don't get why it's that way. It has never been this way with Shanahan's offense. It's not really Garoppolo's style because he's a little mistake-prone. 
though to his credit, he's not been making as many mistakes this year. That's definitely credit to him. And that's part of why, you know, they've had reasonable offensive success, but there's no pace to their offense. Everything's slow. There's no big plays. There's nothing. Everything is so labored. And I don't think you wouldn't expect to see an offense with Debo Samuel, George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk, Kyle Juszczyk, Christian McCaffrey, Elijah Mitchell on the field against the defense that's, you know, down to their version of their defensive tackles, which is basically them starting uh, not. It would be basically the 49ers equivalent of not having Eric Armstead, Javon Kinlaw, and then losing Hassan Ridgeway and Kevin Givens in the game. That's what happened to the Chargers yesterday. And still, it looks so labored to me for the 49ers to go up and down the field, let alone they didn't have Joey Bosa, who's their best player. So I, I think that's really where I, I, I draw the concern, right? It's not the points. It's not really what Shanahan says. It's the fact that every week to, for this offense to score points, it has to be a 14-play, 80-yard, seven-minute drive, and each play has to be executed correctly. And if you get one holding penalty, you know, you're 10 plays into the drive, you've kept the ball for three minutes, you're dominating – Jake Brendel gets one holding penalty. You get put into first and 20, bang, your drive's over. You're kicking a field goal. That's my problem with the 49ers offense. I totally agree. And I keep seeing this, and this is bugging me. TC watching on the YouTube page. Kyle Shanahan has no clue what to do. The brain's left and is in Miami. Except here's the problem. The offense looked like this with Mike McDaniel in yep. the building. Like these, this whole, it's such a lazy thing to say, oh, it was all Mike McDaniel and he's gone now. No. The offense did the same thing when McDaniel was in the building. It's This is the frustrating part. It's irrespective of the opponent, Vish. The 49ers offense stops itself. What do we say all week last week? Chargers give up 5.7 yards per carry. They're giving up 140 yards per game every year on the ground, 170 yards per game in their last three. Yet the 49ers could barely run the ball against them. They couldn't run it at all in the first half. They picked it up in the second half a little, but they still only averaged, what was it? 3.8 yards per carry in the game, I believe it was. Yeah. Everybody else averages 5.7. Everybody else in the league averages 5.7. And don't tell me, well, they were loading up to stop the run because you think they weren't doing that against everybody else too? Of course they were. But that's the point though, Rob, right? You bring that up. And I, I thought I, I haven't been able to go back and really go back and watch. It's been a little busy morning for me. But I, I, from the TV, I could see, you know, the Chargers did a really good job varying up their fronts, varying up their pressures on how they were run blitzing. And they did a really good job varying those things. So I get it. They also, you know, varied how many people they stacked at the line of scrimmage. All these things I understand to an extent, right? And to get 41 runs off is imp and imp with all of that going on is an impressive feat. Here's my issue, Rob. When you have Debo Samuel on the outside, you have Ayuk on the outside, you have Kittle, you have Christian McCaffrey. If a team tries to play you that way and force you to throw the ball, it should be okay. Game over. Big play city. <laughs> right. Yeah, Everything looks so labored though, right? And we saw that stretch when it became 13-3, when they had the stretch between the block punt and the Ayuk fumble. They had a drive in there that was three straight passes. No, it was two passes and one seven-yard Christian McCa uh, Elijah Mitchell run. And Chris Collinsworth made the comment on the broadcast, and he pointed out he did a really good job of bringing this up. He pointed out how many people the Chargers had in the line of scrimmage and how they were forcing the Niners to motion out, spread it out, and throw. I I, I mean, Drew, Drew Tranquil is not a good linebacker. <laughs> Kenneth Murray is not a good linebacker. Derwin James is a hell of a player. I mean, Mike Davis, Sante Samuel, pretty good corners. Nasir Adderley is an okay safety. But it's not the Legion of Boom, okay? It's not the Legion of Boom. There's seven All-Pros, six All-Pros on this offense. 
it shouldn't be this labored to Are be able to though? move the ball. It should be big play city. I I don't know if it's a quarterback thing. I can't really put it on the quarterback because I feel he's played well. I don't think it's necessarily a play calling thing because I like the way Shanahan sequences his play together and all of that. But I do think it's an overall conservatism in philosophy that stems to the previous topic we were talking about in terms of fourth down aggression and stems to your favorite topic. And luckily, the 49ers defense is terrific and they played great again yesterday, despite one drive where they really gave up points. Other than that, they were awesome. They're com- they're just more comfortable winning games with their defense. That's, 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 well, then what the hell was the point of hiring Kyle Shanahan? Like, what was the point? Like, really? I don't know. I, 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 and it's I, like, I do know he's a great coach. Based on what? I, I, I His, just he doesn't he have a great offense. Right. He doesn't have a great offense. He's bad at managing the game, which we just talked about. He's now 20. What is it? 26 and 24 against non Rams teams since 2019. Like, and I don't want to trash on Kyle, but like I hear people say that about him. And all I want to know is what are we basing it on? If it's not the offense and it's not the game management and it's not the record because his overall record is still under 500. What are we basing that on exactly? Well, I I think he's brought a lot of structure um, to the organization. He's brought philosophical consistency. I think there's a lot of things he does well. Um, I also think he's a work in progress too, Rob. I mentioned it. He's also a young head coach. He's what, 43 years old? Yes, Um, he's he's great at developing coaches. He's great at developing players. He does a lot of things well. So you would assume that he's going to grow over his coaching career. I, I think maybe the one thing that makes me a little worried about him, but I'm not that worried is he feels a little rigid to me at this point. Mm -hmm. It feels square peg round hole a lot with this Niners team. It feels like, I feel like you're this player. So I'm going to use you in this way because it's easy to use you in this way for everybody else in our offense. That's kind of how I feel like what's happening to George Kittle right now. It's well, George, for the sake of our offense, we need you to block like this. We need you to, you know, only have a couple of catches a game. We're not going to really, I mean, the tight end screen, they used to run tight end screens all the time to just get George Kittle the ball. Don't mm-hmm. do that anymore. They used to run this play action slide play, right? They tried to run one bootleg yesterday. They ran it against the wrong look. Khalil Mack absolutely <laughs> busted it. They didn't go back to it. But they used to run that play action slide play, right, where Garoppolo rolls out and you just slide Kittle right through the backside of the formation. The run action's the other way. He scored a touchdown versus New Orleans on this exact play. And Garoppolo dumps it off to Kittle in the flat, and Kittle picks his head up, and that's a free 10 yards after the catch. Seattle's been abusing that play this year. If you go watch, they they use that play a lot against the Chargers. It I haven't seen those type of things where, hey, we're just going to run a play that's going to get George Kittle the ball in a little while. And I, and I expected to see it. I thought early in the season, Kittle's issues were just, hey, he was hurt. They were integrating a lot of things. They had to switch quarterbacks to change their offense. But now we're nine weeks in, and it's kind of been the same story week after week with Kittle besides the script against Carolina. It was only the script against Carolina that he was involved. He was not involved after the first quarter of that game, really. I'm I'm just getting tired of hearing the list of all the guys that are on this offense. The Bears have scored 30 points in three out of the last four weeks, and the one week they didn't, they scored 29. The Bears, who have Justin Fields and a pile of nothing. So yeah, don't give me the list of but names. But what do the Bears have? I don't care. The Bears care. have one thing that's the big difference, Rob. I, great. Justin Fields is mobile. Awesome. I don't it's, care. That's not an excuse. It's not the mobility. It's the explosive play element Justin Fields is bringing. 
This but offense is they... not the same to me unless because look, it, it, is it a Debo issue? I, I don't know. But last year, this offense looked its best when they were just getting Debo the ball and Debo created explosive plays. It doesn't have to be a 20-yard throw down the field. You just have to create explosives. And Debo would do that for free because you throw a tunnel screen to him and you kind of block it halfway right and Debo (laughs) makes you look right and takes it for 40. And even yesterday, he did that, right? They had a third and 20. He nearly broke it. It looked like Debo last year. And that was his first catch with four minutes left in the third quarter. But I think it's exactly that right now. There's nothing explosive about this offense. and executing like this is not their way to go and when you get into the red zone and you have to execute they're just not good enough to execute that way and the quarterback as well as he's playing to execute at this level and be an offense like this you need breeze or brady guys will never make a mistake who will never miss a throw who just play perfect 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 down in down out it's unrealistic to expect that garoppolo is playing well but at this style i i think that the niners issues on offense are actually going to persist a little bit more than I originally expected. Oh yeah. This is not, I don't think it's, this is who they are because Kyle, they're not changing anything. Kyle's not going to change. The players that they have are not going to change. And so this is what we got. I mean, they get in the red zone, Vish, you know, first play run up the gut, like just book it, mark it down. And like, I don't even hate that. Like whatever, you know, you're a running team. That's fine. But, like, there's no creativity. Go look at the Chiefs in the red zone. They're doing 50 million different things to confuse you. When the Chiefs played the Niners, the Niners didn't know which way was up in the red zone. They kept handing the ball to friggin' Mecole Hardman. He kept scoring. Yet, for the 49ers, I feel like the play calls get simpler, and they get less interesting and less – they get more vanilla. And it's easier to defend them. Whereas when they're just driving down the field, they're doing all sorts of stuff. It's very, very – very frustrating and it's got to be better and I don't know that it will be I, I do want to talk maybe a little bit about the couple of positives because I do feel like we've yes been dro- good droning a little bit but before okay. we get there there's one thing I want to touch on right because the red zone point that you're making I think is more important because of who the coach is right and it's there for it's documented for everybody I'm not going to bore you with the numbers you can look them up yourselves I think it's better if you look the numbers up and internalize them for yourselves you don't need me to tell you Shanahan's numbers in the red zone throughout his career have not been good. I think he has three top 10 red zone offenses, 2016 in Atlanta, um, 2020 with the Niners and 2021 with the Niners. Don't quote me on that. That's just off the top of my head. But over the course of his career, he's always been a phenomenal coach in terms of no matter who's on his offense, they're top 10 in yards, which is an unbelievable accomplishment, right? That speaks to how good of a play caller he is. But they've never been good in terms of points scored and red zone efficiency. I thought they I thought. 2021, their fix was temporary. It was, well, if we hand it off to Debo, 10 yards are in, (laughs) Debo's going to score. He's just going to, it's just out of pure explosion, speed, balance, physicality, Debo's going to score. And that kind of bailed them out. But they have a history of not being good in the red zone. And that's where I wish, you know, there was a little bit more, should I say dog? Is that the right word to the 49ers media? When Shanahan makes a comment Mm -hmm. like, hey, it was just the red zone. Well, why can't somebody ask him? Well, Kyle, the red zone concerns seem to have persisted with you you know over the course of your career and throughout this season can you explain what exactly is going wrong in the red zone because just saying that the red zone is the issue is not the solution because it has been an issue over the course of time unfortunately nobody asked that instead you know there were some pretty bizarre questions after the game 
I don't want to be the guy that's, you know, just ripping on the 49ers media, but it's very frustrating for me. And right now I'm a podcast host, Rob, but I'm a fan at heart and I like to consume this content. And it's very frustrating for me as a fan that I don't get the information that I would like to hear good or bad. I just would like the proper questions to be asked that Shanahan can give the right answers. You uh, don't have to be the guy that rips the 49ers media because I'm that guy because I do it constantly because they're pillowy soft and it's really, really pathetic. We get a lot of questions like, how good was this person that had a good game? Like, that doesn't tell me anything. I know he was good. I can see the game. These aren't secret. But I agree. It can be frustrating. Let's get to some positives then, because I do feel like we kind of did start negative. I I tried to start with the defense a little bit. 52 yards allowed in the second half. Unbelievable performance. The Chargers crossed the 50-yard line one time in the second half. Wait, and, Rob, before we go to the defense, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I want to hear you say a couple of positive things about the Niners offense, because I do think there's a couple of things that need to be mentioned, but I want to hear you mention them. Uh, they didn't have a ton of penalties. That's some, but for the most part, it was under control. I thought Elijah Mitchell looked fantastic. There we yesterday. go. I thought he looked better than Christian McCaffrey. I thought he looked explosive. I thought he ran harder and broke tackles. And I think Kyle Shanahan kind of agreed because as the game went on, you saw less and less of Christian McCaffrey, who I actually thought at one point looked a little kind of gimpy, like a little like something was bothering him. And Elijah Mitchell looked fresh, which he should be. He hasn't played since week one. He just runs so hard, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. Every run, it just it feels like I he he. I know that every NFL player probably gives it their all. Um, on every play, I, I don't like doing the effort conversation because it's really hard to tell, you know, whether somebody's giving effort based simply on their body language. I don't think it's a fun way to fair way to evaluate that. But I do think it's obvious when somebody is giving extra effort. And man, Elijah Mitchell competes his butt off on every single run. He just battles. And I agree. That was the big positive. And then I thought in some ways, I think this is a real positive, but I don't think it's all all the way as positive as people want to say. I think Ayuk had another very strong game. Um, it was an interesting game. I don't really put the fumble on him. I thought it was unlucky. He turned into Derwin James's helmet. It, it's not, a, you obviously don't want him to turn the football over, but it's an unlucky play. The drop was definitely on him. Like I mentioned, maybe the ball was half an inch behind him. But right. again, this is a guy that people are saying, you know, he's a number one receiver. He's this, he's that, he's this, he's that. At some point, we have to see the production of that. That's more than, you know, five catches, 70 yards, six catches, 80 yards. And it feels like those couple little plays that he can make in every game to take that next step, he doesn't make them. And he made a lot of really good plays in this game, right? He had two big third down conversions, one mm-hmm. against a zero blitz that Garoppolo was hot and he put it slightly behind him. Great adjustment and then great body control to then gain yards after the catch as well. And then one was just pure trust in Ayuk from Garoppolo. I think it was third and nine. It was outside the numbers, tight man coverage. He's running like a stop route. And he threw the ball with great anticipation timing, put it on him early. And Ayuk was physical at the top of the route, um, created space with his body, caught the football and got both feet in bounds. So he made two excellent plays there. But again, the touchdown drop, to me, it just feels like he doesn't make the plays that, you know, talk about him taking the next step. And, you know, He's playing very good football, the best football of his career. But I've had concerns on whether he is a true number one wide receiver. Um, I've talked about that. I, I don't want to rehash that. I mean, I feel like those conversations are done. 
and he has played phenomenal football. So I don't really want to have a conversation in that light. I know you want to have the conversation on whether you would re-sign him and you already have an opinion on that. So I can't wait to hear that. Um, but, uh, at this point, I just feel like he leaves a little to be desired. I, I feel like he's the epitome of the Niners offense, or of the Niners. He, we all see the talent. We see what he can do. We keep saying, well, we look at this, but this went wrong. That's why it didn't work out. But the production is what the production is. And right now he produces like a top 25, top 20, you know, good receiver, a guy who would be a great number two, who's a solid number one, you know, but he's not. Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Tyreek Hill. I don't, the other thing also is I feel like after the catch, I feel like he gets what needs to be get. He does a really good job of getting up the field. He catches the ball. He's explosive. He runs hard after the catch, but I don't feel like he ever makes a play that it's like, oh my God, Brandon Ayuk made that play. Nobody else was going to make that play. He just changed the game by making that play. And I feel like Kittle and Debo Samuel have made those plays in years past in their career right now it feels like they're trending their offense towards featuring Ayuk more which maybe they should because Ayuk has been probably the most consistent player on this offense besides maybe Aaron Banks from start to finish throughout this season so maybe he does deserve that but Rob I I, like at what point are we going to see the emergence at what point are we going to see Brandon Ayuk have a game where Brandon Ayuk takes over the game you don't well, trade multiple picks to get a trade up for a receiver in the first round so that he can be solid. First of all, I thought this was supposed to be the positive thing about the 49ers offense. Well, it is positive. All right, over he played Ayuk. very well. He played very well. He's got 80 yards in four straight games. He really was like the only wide receiver that seemed like could separate enough where Garoppolo felt comfortable passing him the ball, except for Juwan Jennings on third down. I like Brandon Ayuk. I think he's really good. I like him after the catch. You know, I think that that he play against the Eagles where he hurdles the defenders probably like that's that's the what I'm looking ceiling. for. Where's that um, been? Well, if he didn't have to jump off the ground and leap six feet over his head to catch every pass that's thrown to him, maybe he'd be able to gain more after the catch. I think he's really good, like a very good. If he's your number two, you have a very good receiving core and a very good offense. If he's your number Agreed. one. Yeah, I I would worry a little bit. I don't know that he's a number one wide receiver, but he's very, very good. As to would I pay him? Absolutely not. Especially not with Debo's contract and Kittle's contract already on the books and McCaffrey and Trent Williams. I would not. Not to say that he's not very good, but we've seen receivers come out of the draft left, right, and center. You can find receivers. They're almost like running backs nowadays. So no, I would not pay Brandon Ayuk unless he wants to take like, a really crazy below market value deal. There'll be another team out there that's going to pay him, but he's been very, very good. I hope he keeps it up. I would just like to see, it feels like only one guy can have a good game in this offense. It was Ayuk last night, right? Like then another game, it'll be Debo or maybe Kittle, but like, why can't everybody just eat a little? I'm not saying everybody's got to put up a hundred yards, but it just seems weird to me that when the Niners play, it's more like, okay, this is Ayuk's game. This is Kittle's game. This is this is Debo's game, whatever it is, but it's never like everybody like it seems to be with the Dolphins. Yeah, no, it's not. It's really not like yesterday. I mean, to me, here's what's telling, right? Because I I don't really like getting in, especially on the broadcast into, well, they featured this guy, they featured this guy. But I always think game script on who they go to in game script, because that's usually very practiced. Um, they've reversed it. They know where they're going for on the ball. They often know what looks they're running those plays into as well. It's all game plan. They're all ready to go on it. 
you kind of have an idea on who they wanted to get the ball to. And the two game scripts started the first half, started the second half, right? Debo Samuel had one carry, I think, on both those drives. George Kittle didn't have a catch on either of those drives or a touch. And it was all Christian McCaffrey, run, 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 run. And it was all quick game to Brandon Ayuk. And that's where I have that question. I, I have a different question, right? Because I, I said maybe when is Ayuk going to take the next step? Well, if he doesn't take the next step, he's still a really damn good player, right? Yes, he is. He's still producing and he's playing his ass off so far this season. So it's tough to really say, but I think we all just expect so much because we see what a special athlete, athletic talent he is and what he can be. But I, the other question is of usage with this Niners offense. Can someone explain to me why there was nothing to get Debo Samuel the ball yesterday? Uh, they ran him a couple of times. Shanahan said now he wants him to be kind of our special option in the run game. I think that was the exact wording he used after the game. So they're looking for this one-two punch of, you know, 15 carries of Mitchell, 15 carries of McCaffrey, I think. Okay, that's fine. But, you know, where was a screen to Debo? Where was getting Debo involved in this game? It felt like this game was just, okay, when we're going to throw, we're just going to be quick game to Ayuk, and we're going to just try and run it as much as I can. And I, I think it's a fair question to ask. I mean, there's way too many weapons on this offense that, and there's way <laughs> there too much is. talent, and they're not there going up against that good of a defense that Debo Samuel, it shouldn't be this hard to get him the ball. It shouldn't be this hard to get George Kittle the ball. You said Miami does it. They do. Again, I'm commenting without having a full idea of what actually happened in that game. But, man, I just don't get it at this point. Like you said, it feels like, okay, if Debo's going to go off, nobody else will go off in this game. But Debo will have a damn good game. Ayuk's going to go off. Nobody else is going to go off. But Ayuk is going to have a damn good game, you know? I love the I love that name, by the way. Joshua Torres, thanks for the super chat watching on YouTube. Show name idea. By no means was it perfect. Oh, that's the story. That's of the a good one. Season. That is and a good one. Look, I don't want to let perfect be the enemy of good, right? You don't have to be perfect, but you do have to be good. And right now, this offense is not good, and we feel like it should be better. But I, I, I said it a few weeks ago, and I still feel like it's true. You can't. Something has to not be true. Either Kyle Shanahan is not as good of an offensive coach as we think, or the 49ers players that they have are not as good as we think. Because if both of those things are true, then this offense would have to score more than 20 points a game, and they're not right now. So one of those things is not true. I don't know what it is. I honestly don't. If you had to pick one, Vish, what would you say? I think it's probably a mixture of both, to be honest. I do think we probably overrate maybe uh some of these players uh I, I think that at this point it's a fair statement to make because the production is not lining up with what we think they are that that's just what it is it's simply mm -hmm. what it is the individual and team production from those players is not lining up to what we think they are and then in Shanahan's case right I mean last time he had weapons like this he was talking about his offenses in Atlanta well in 2016 that offense in Atlanta with Julio Jones Mo Sanu Coleman Freeman Taylor Gabriel is one of the Austin Hooper. It's one of the greatest offenses in NFL history. Well, it's, you know, maybe he was talking about his Houston talent too, because he brought up Andre Johnson on that Greg Papa interview when Greg Papa brought up, brought up this exact thing. So he's talking Andre Johnson, Steve Slayton, Kevin Walter, um, Andre Davis. That. Steve, like who, other than Andre Johnson, that's a bucket of nothing. 
Like, right. Are those players any but good? Those no. offenses with Matt Schaub at quarterback two were top five offenses. Right. Which is that's why it's that's why I'm saying either he's not as good or the players that we have aren't as good because he could be if he can be a top five with Andre Johnson and and Randos who people forget even played in the league the second you they don't stopped like playing. Kevin Walter? No, I wouldn't know Kevin Walter if he was in this room with me right now. What about so, Andre Davis? Oh, oh, fine. All right. Like, I, again, is it easy better than Ayuk? No, no chance. Well, then what are we talking about here? Are there any of those guys close. better than, is Austin Hooper better than George Kittle? No. So what are we talking about here? That's that's why it's frustrating. I did want to mention this, uh, Super Chat. Thank you very much. I always give props to our offensive line. Line blocked well. They did all right. You know, I think they definitely got stronger as the game went on. Um, yeah. I like that Kyle, like, you could tell Kyle was like, all right, Christian Covington's down now, too. They're getting tired. I loved, loved, loved that after the third down conversion to Ayuk, they hurried up to the line to give the ball to Christian McCaffrey. They didn't want to let the Chargers substitute, and the Chargers tried to substitute, and then they were off sides, and it didn't matter because McCaffrey scored. But I felt like that was the first time Kyle smelled blood in the water, and he went for it. It was funny because Chris Chris Collinsworth had been calling for it all game. And then finally that drive, he had a little bit, you know how he talks, but he whined about it a little bit. He's like, I just don't get it with this offense. I mean, you have them on the ropes. They're so light at the defensive line. Why is there no hurry up, no pace? And then bang, next thing you know, they hit the, (laughs) I think they hit the third down explosive to Ayuk against the zero pressure. First time the Chargers blitzed all game and he rips the, um, throw to Ayuk against the zero pressure and immediately they get to the line of scrimmage line up and run the ball and somewhere Rob Guerrero was punching his fist in the air with the utmost happiness like Kyle Shanahan you did it yeah I was punching my fist I did it like a double fist pump at that point because it was nice to see because like you said it feels so hard that when they finally score you're like okay now I can relax a little bit um, all right. Can we get to the defense now? I've been wanting to talk about this defense. Let's talk about it. All show. Because they deserve the credit. They are carrying this team, kicking and screaming to victories, Vish. 52 yards allowed in the second half. The Chargers only crossed midfield one time in the second half. And as you've pointed out and others have pointed out, on the field goals the Chargers did get, two of those three drives started in 49er territory through no fault of the defenses whatsoever, the Ayuk fumble and the blocked punt. So once again, this defense kind of gets screwed just straight up numbers wise. Cause if they didn't have those short fields, I don't know if the chargers were going down the field and scoring other than that opening drive. And here's the big difference to me uh, with the Niners defense and the Niners offense, the guys were hyping up on the Niners defense week in and week out. They have dominant games. Fred Warner, I, to me, it's it's the best linebacker in the NFL. I think he's taken a little bit of criticism more than he should have. The Chiefs game maybe is not the best game in his career. I thought he was overly criticized for his performance there. He's been terrific in the last two games since the Chiefs game. I thought he was also very good to start the year. It got a little overshadowed because Dre Greenlaw was flying and hitting everything that moves, no matter what team it was on, no matter where it was, Dre Greenlaw was hitting it. So I think that that made Fred Warner maybe look worse than he is. But, yeah, he is one of the best players. And then Nick Bosa, game in and game out. I mean, what, he had, what, four quarterback hits, three tackles for a loss, and a sack in that game. And the sack was such a big play because it was after the Ayuk fumble. The Chargers had second and goal, 
at the reds in the red zone, I think in the 12 yard line and basically third and goal on the 10 yard line is a very tough place to score. Um, and so the sack really changed that drive and forced a field goal, which kept the Niners in the game because if they had charges had gone up 17, three, I, I think it would have become quite concerning because the Niners wouldn't have gotten 41 runs off and God only knows what would have happened to watch the Niners, you know, nickel and dime the ball up the field for 15 plays of short passes to Debo Samuel, George Kittle, and <laughs> um, Brandon Ayuk. But I, I, I say all this to say the Niners defense was terrific yesterday. They had the one, they had the two busts on the first drive, the first one on Trey Greenlaw, the second one on Talanoa Hufanga. They were playing what they call Reno coverage on that play. So Hufanga, if he goes vertical and outside, or if he releases vertical, Hufanga has him in man coverage. If he releases inside, Hufanga passes him off to Gibson. He released vertically. I don't know what Hufunga saw there, but he kind of drifted into the flat. And um, I think he thought he went inside, whatever. And he ended up running, you know, he ended up releasing vertically, running an out route. Hufunga wasn't there. That was a touchdown play. It was the one mistake. He redeemed himself by, you know, he's always right place, right time. There you go. Hufunga right there. Intercepts the pass. There you go. Game over. But um, he redeemed himself there, but that was really their one blunder, I would say, in the game. The other plays were kind of just freak alien plays by Herbert, where, hey, there's three people around me, but that I'm so big that I'm going to throw, throw it over you. The crosser yeah. throw that he hit? Oh, my God, that was insane. When they showed the end zone view of that, I was like, I literally don't know how that ball got in there like that, but it's a mutant throw. That That's who Watching Justin Herbert throw is. is just ridiculous. Like, he's so big but his release is like so quick and he's so accurate, like it, so accurate. It's stunning to me. It's amazing that they don't score more. I mean, I know they had guys out, but like to me, just let that dude throw. And I don't know how you could be as bad as they were. I want to get to this comment from Nick. Cause it's pissing me off. No, Rob, no excuses. All teams give short fields to their defenses. Be consistent. No excuses for Kyle's offense. Need to call D'Amico Ryan's out and his inability to start games. Well, Nick, they give up a touchdown per game. What they do is on the opening drive, I feel like they kind of use it as like a litmus test. Like, all right, this is what you're going to do. Okay. We adjust and we move on. If you only give up one touchdown in a game as a defense, you're doing your job. D'Amico Ryan's holding the chargers to field goals on drives that start in opponent territory. That's him doing his job. One of the drives started, they were in field goal range already. Like, Calling out D'Amico Ryans because his defense gives up one touchdown a game on the opening script? Like, no, I'm not doing that. This defense is incredible, and they are the reason the 49ers have all their wins. And I'm going to make a statement about this. I think the calling out the D'Amico Ryan stuff, there has to be something a little bit more to that. I I, I think it, it makes me uncomfortable when I see how ready people are to call out D'Amico Ryan, despite <laughs> the fact that he has been terrific for two straight years. It feels like one bad play and people are like, D'Amico Ryan should never be a head coach. Fire <laughs> D'Amico Ryan. He's the worst defensive coordinator ever. And he'll have a string of like eight straight games where the Niners defense is terrific. They're so well coached. He's just killing it with the zone dogs, the sim pressures, all of it. I don't get why I, it makes me uncomfortable how fast people are ready to call out D'Amico Ryan's. And I have a theory as to why. And I think if I mention my theory, it'll make other people uncomfortable, but you should know why it makes me uncomfortable. And it should make all of you uncomfortable that people are so quick to call that man out that he's not doing a good job when he is doing a really good job. And the one really thing that 
affects well, hold me. on. Oh. I'll say it. It's because D'Amico Ryans is black. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. I think I agree. If D'Amico Ryans was as mediocre at his job as Kyle Shanahan has been at his job, they would be screaming for D'Amico Ryans to be fired. I don't even forget Shanahan. Forget Shanahan. Look at his peers, right? Who are the other coordinators that are being talked about for these head coaching positions, right? Dan Quinn is the other guy that's really in the mix as a defensive coordinator in these conversations. The Cowboys defense is horrible against the run. I never hear bad things about Dan Quinn, you know, talked about. D'Amico Ryans had one game that was on national TV that wasn't good <laughs> right. against the Chiefs. And people were like, maybe D'Amico Ryans isn't as good as we think. Maybe he's not that good. I, it's uncomfortable. It should make everybody uncomfortable that the discourse is this fast and this easy around him. Forget Shanahan, because to me, Dan Quinn is the direct comparison and the fact that people don't talk about him that way, despite the Cowboys defense probably having double the poor performances and not, and he didn't have to start Josh Norman at corner for six games in the season. <laughs> right. D'Amico Ryans did. And that's the point. Even with the injuries, no matter who's in there on defense, Niners had one starting defensive lineman last night. Doesn't matter. This defense comes to play and they perform. Here are the point totals that the Niners have allowed this year. 19 to the Bears. Seven to the Seahawks, 11 to the Broncos, nine to the Rams, 15 to the Panthers, 21 to the Falcons. Because remember, the Falcons scored on a scoop and score touchdown. The defense didn't allow that. So even though they scored 28 in the game, the defense allowed 21 in that game. Terrible game against the Chiefs, 44 points. That was not good. 14 points against the Rams, 16 points against the Chargers. Basically, if you're not the Chiefs, you don't score 20 points against this 49ers team. Yet his defense allows one touchdown on the opening drive and people are mad at him. D'Amico Ryans is the savior of the season. We got to lay off D'Amico. He's great. It's unreal to me, Rob. I, I don't really understand it at all. I mean, you lose a game where you allow 11 points. What did they give up against the Bears you mentioned? 19. 19, right? So that's three games where they've lost, where they've given up less than 21 points. This Niners defense is as terrific as we expected. And they're doing it without Eric Armstead. He's right. injured. They're doing it without Emmanuel Mosley, without Jason Brett. If you look at D'Amico Ryans has had to change how he calls his defense now that D'Amador Lenore is playing corner instead of Emmanuel Mosley. And they thought Jason Brett would come back and that would have been a massive upgrade. But the poor dude is just, I mean, People just wanted Jason Verrett to prove that he's the toughest human being in the history of human being <laughs> because they just want that man to keep showing he can overcome adversity and he continues to keep showing it. But yeah, this Niners defense is it's terrific. It's really good. They always come through when they're supposed to. And the one thing I like to say, going back to Nick's comment, is they actually do a phenomenal job in sudden changes. The Niners offense is guaranteed for one turnover where they'll put their defense in in opponent's territory and free agent in uh, in uh, opponent's territory and field, field goal range, excuse me. Every single game, every single game. The fact that they kept that game to 13 and th 13 to 3 early incredible. Is what allowed the 49ers to win that game to me. Yes. Because that yes. game could have gotten away from them so quickly, but the Niners defense held up in two big Sudden change spots. The blocked punt, which we'll get to the special teams. I think that deserves a conversation in its own right. But we'll get to the special teams. And then the Ayuk fumble, which we both agree was just kind of unlucky. Derwin James just had his head there, and it happened to hit the ball. Like, what kind of luck is that? But Yeah, it wasn't. It, well, Ayuk didn't. It, like, Ayuk had the ball tucked away. Right. It was just physics take over at some point. Um, one, two more things I want to get to. One, uh, let's play a clip from Fred Warner, because I loved this clip after the game talking about 
what the 49ers did after halftime to adjust. We just kept it simple. We literally just ran one call. I, I feel like the entire second half. When we got to third down, we would we would dial it up with some pressures. But first and second down, we literally just ran the same thing over and over. Just kept it real simple. Uh, first half, we you know D'Amico wanted to try to mix in some some blitzes, some pressures. But honestly, it was it was just perfect for us to just match everything up and play um, play ball in the second half. That's fascinating to me. <laughs> they were like. Here's what we're doing, Chargers. You got no receivers. You can't stop it. And then when we need to blitz on third down, we'll do it. But if it's working, stick with it. They do that too, right? Like to me, the hallmark of this defense, well, yes, the corner's getting healthy in the second half of last year. But last year, they just started simplifying it and playing, you know, the same base defenses and all of that. And the team gets so good. Like they're so good when they play their Seattle uh, Seattle three um zone coverage and all of that that it's like easy for them to just play out of one call because everybody knows their assignments so well and that's where you have to respect D'Amico Ryan's right because he could easily put his ego out there and be like well if I call five exotic blitzes you know it puts me in a better national stage but he doesn't do that he just does what's necessary for the 49ers defense to play well in that particular game and if in this game if they had to be simple well, then we'll be simple and we'll do that, but we'll go get that win. And he's still mixed in pressures, right? The Chris Collinsworth, again, I thought he did a phenomenal – I'm not the biggest Collinsworth fan because I always think he's a little biased against the Niners, and he <laughs> talks about it too because of those Super Bowl losses. But I always <laughs> think he's one of the best – he's obviously one of the best analysts, and he showed it, right? The NASCAR front with the four defensive ends, we've talked about that before. A lot of people who talk about the Niners, um, Jordan Elliott, I would say, was I think is the first person who brought it up. Um, make sure you follow him. I think his ad is still splash underscore cousin Niners nation as well, by the way. Um, but he will, he, he pointed out the NASCAR package, right? And then Collinsworth pointed out how they overload one side to get the three one-on-ones. And then they have the open defensive end on the other side. Well, then they started bringing the linebacker, right? The last two third downs in the second half, they brought Fred Warner both times and they rushed five. So they switched it up a little bit and brought pressure, which was creative. Niners defense is awesome. <laughs> By the way, I just want to point this out. Jimmy Ward and Jaquaski Tart in their entire careers combined have eight interceptions. Years. All of their careers, they have eight. Telano Hufanga has four this year. Yes. It is amazing what he has been able to do just in terms of being in the right place at the right time. Now, Rob, it, it is a little bit of a double-edged sword because I'll reverse that stat on you. Since right. 2018, I don't know about Jimmy Ward, but Jaquaski Tart has given up four touchdowns. By the way, this stat was posted on Twitter by Coach Johnston. Shout out to him. Jaquaski Tart, since 2018, has given up four touchdowns in his career. This mm -hmm. season, or since, I think, between this season and last season, in two years, Tao Hufunga has already given up four touchdowns. Yeah, and I, I talked about that last night. We always say about Jimmy Garoppolo, right? He gives you negative plays, but you don't get any positive plays. Talanoa Hufanga gives up plays. He does. But you know what? He also makes these big plays. It's like yep. Matthew Stafford last year leading the league in interceptions. Guess what? He threw 40 touchdowns and the yeah. Rams won the Super Bowl. If you can do the opposite, you can balance out some of the other negatives that you do. So Talanoa, you have to get those interceptions to make up for it. But he has right now. Yeah. And he, I think... The conversation with him was kind of interesting because the start of the season was just so, so, so exponentially good. We went from mm -hmm. like, well, he's a developing young player. He's going to get better at his position to, oh, my God, is he already the defensive player of the year? 
And he came back to earth a little bit. He's had some mistakes in the previous games. But I think the one thing, two things that are consistent is that he seems to always be diligent about getting better and working at it and improving himself every game. And then two, he bounces back, like you said, from his mistakes. And Mm -hmm. he bounces back by rewarding you by making a play that changes the game. Like yesterday, he got that interception. It's actually a hell of a catch, I thought, because the ball is rotating all funny because Omanikyu hits Herbert in the hand. Was it a Menahue that hit him in the hand? I think it might have been. I think it was a Menahue. By the way, a Menahue is going to get paid a lot of money this offseason. Really the guy good. guy's kicking ass. <laughs> the guy's just straight up kicking ass. But it was a phenomenal catch. So, yeah, heck yeah. I think that I'll live with some of the broken plays with Hufanga. I think he'll get better a little bit, too. He's still an inexperienced he's gonna player. He's going to get better. He's 22, Rob. Of course he's getting better. It's absurd how good he can be. I feel like when they need a play, man, Bosa steps up. And if that ball was anywhere in the air, like Hufunga just finds it. Who picked up the block punt in the Packers playoff game last year? Talanoa Hufunga just scooped it right up and scored. Some guys are like that. Some guys are just around the football all the time, and he appears to be one of them. And they this 49ers defense desperately needed that aspect to it, and now they have it, which is awesome. All right. Should we go from block punt to block punt? Yeah, we're going to get to the special teams right now because we're getting a little long and I want to make sure we talk about it. I was ready to hammer the special teams. They allowed a block punt. Robbie Gold missed a field goal or missed a point after touchdown. Excuse me. And it seems like and Tim Kawakami pointed this out on Twitter last night too. almost every kick from Robbie Gold, every field goal or PAT is almost blocked. There's somebody comes around the edge and every time you're like, oh, my God. And uh, usually it goes through, but they've had some block kicks this year. And uh, it was not a good night for the special teams for most of the night last night. Yeah, it wasn't. And Robbie Gold has had two kicks blocked this year, which is the most he's had blocked since 2019, which I want to say one of those blocks was a long kick that he was coming back from injury that, you know, he didn't really have a chance. Of, he didn't have the leg at that point because he was bouncing back from an injury as well. So, yeah, it's disconcerting. Then the punt got blocked. Wisnowski actually has had a terrific season. He's been the one silver lining in this special teams, and they gave him the extension for it. But it's been kind of a rough season. And where I get annoyed by it, Rob, and it annoys me for this reason, it's the amount of investment that's been uh, that's been provided towards the special teams, right? They paid a lot of money for Oren Burks, Ray Ray McLeod, um, and George Odom. And I don't see a lot of differences in the special teams. Early on, I thought George Odom and Tarverius Moore were really making an impact in terms of their coverage as gunners. I'm not seeing that impact anymore. This special teams gives up a couple of big returns every couple of weeks. It's happening every couple of weeks. They have a blunder every couple of weeks. It's not a good special teams unit still. The new coach is not changing anything. The improved personnel is not changing anything. And you know what frustrates me the most about it, Rob? There's never a damn question asked about it. Are we ever going to mm-hmm. ask them why Robbie Gold's kicks got blocked? Are we ever going to ask them why Mitch Wisnowski's punt got blocked? No. Are we going to ever ask them why John Lynch came out and said, well, we kept Jimmy Garoppolo because we knew we had one big bite of the apple. That was Charvarius Ward. And then we felt that our team was good enough everywhere else that we just had to improve our special teams. Guess what? You didn't improve your special teams. No. You didn't. And when you want to talk about comparing them to the best teams in the NFL, the Eagles have a very good special teams. The Chiefs, Andy Reid teams, historically always have great special teams, right? John Harbaugh was a special teams coordinator. Where's John Harbaugh now? He's a head coach. Dave Tobe is one of the longest tenured special teams coordinators in the NFL. 
He was the special teams coordinator, I think, in 2006 when the Bears went to the Super Bowl on defense and special teams behind Devin Hester. So that just kind of gives you an idea of his regard and his resume. And so all these better teams or all these teams, not better, but these teams that we expect the Niners to be amongst are not going to have these issues with special teams blunders. And when the margins increase in the playoffs, little things like this become worrisome. And the point about the kicks, I think, is really important because even though only two have been blocked, I feel like Robbie Gold's misses on kicks have been more affected by the fact that people are getting really close to the ball rather than Robbie (laughs) Gold himself is a diminishing asset and he can no longer kick. I do not think that's the case. I think Robbie Gold is still one of the most accurate kickers in NFL history. I think the uncharacteristic misses has to do more with people coming free and people getting near rather than it has to do with Gold himself. That is my theory, though. Nobody's ever going to ask a question about it, so we'll never know because people are still more interested in, you know, talking about, well, Kyle, did you think about going for it? And then Kyle will say, yeah, I thought about it. Oh, cool. But instead, we won't ask him, well, Kyle, you know, your special teams has really struggled this year. What's the issue? I do want to give Mitch Wisnowski a little bit of love because he did come up with a brilliant punt in a crucial moment, as Jan watching on the YouTube page points out. It resulted in one of the weirdest single discussions I've ever had as long as I've been watching football because on NBC... They were obsessed with this idea that it should have actually been a touchback because I think it was Samuel Womack caught the ball at the one yard line, paused for like a second or two, and then got pushed back into the end zone by his teammates after the whistle was blown. And I repeat, it was after the whistle was blown. And I'm like, all right, that seems a little weird. Terry McCauley said it should have been a touchback. He's been tweeting about it to the point where three hours ago, Vish, he actually tweeted this. And I'm stunned because I've never heard this before ever. This comes from Terry McCauley specifically, who's the Sunday Night Football Rules Analyst. He said, quote, I'm going to pin this tweet because I think the whistle may be one of the most misunderstood aspects of football officiating by fans. There is only one situation where it has any relevance to ending the play. That is when it is erroneous or inadvertent. In all other cases, the whistle is only used by the official as a signal to indicate the ball became dead by rule. It bears no impact on anything that happens before or after. Whistles I don't, don't matter that. anymore? Like, what? Wait, so if somebody just nails somebody right after the whistle, is it a late hit? Because Apparently the whistle not. doesn't indicate the play, doesn't, the play ends unless it's erroneous. It's the weirdest discussion. And, and Pete Rich Madrid, I've been arguing with him about it. He thinks it should have been a touchback. The, if you want to say the ref blew the whistle too soon, okay. I still think that's weird because clearly to me, Womack had control of the ball and the play was over. But can you want to talk about another thing? Because Collinsworth, this is where he was most shameless to me. And this is where the bias really kicked in. And I tweeted about it, too, because it really affected me. But um, he was trying to make the argument that Womack didn't come to a complete full stop, that somehow his momentum was constantly moving and he was an object in motion that stays in motion, which was. We could all see him get the ball, come to a complete stop, lean back, and then he got shoved. Like, what the hell was that, Rob? <laughs> it was the weirdest thing I've ever seen. Womack is literally looking at the official who's got his hands up, signaling that the play is over. And and there's a perfect side view shot of it, which I've tweeted out at Stats on Fire if you want to go look at it. The official has his hands up over his head, blowing the whistle. The play's over, and he's at least three steps away from the goal line. It was the weirdest thing, but NBC kept talking about it. And it was like, if this was such a bad call, 
The Chargers could have challenged it. Nobody on the Chargers even complained right. or anything. Right. And now Terry McCauley is saying the whistle doesn't matter. That makes no sense to me because the whistle stops the clock. So, of course, the whistle signals the end of the play because if it doesn't, then the clock should have been running. But the clock was stopped. It, it was such a bizarre play. I hope somebody asked the league about it because I'd actually like to hear, like, the official, like, what happened. But it was just very, very strange. Yeah, I uh- I mean, yeah, it was a strange night of officiating for sure. I I think that the false start was completely forgotten. The Chargers' right tackle was jumping off sides. Yeah, right. There you go. Chargers' right tackle. I tweeted early in the game, like, damn, he's jumped. He's he's had like two or three false starts. He probably had 10 false starts in that game that wasn't called. Every time he would be in a staggered stance on a pass protection, he would hit his kick step right before the ball got snapped. And they'd be like, Chargers right tackle, you're going against Nick Bosa. You have no chance of blocking him. So here, take your extra half second, and you're still going to get your butt kicked. Isn't it amazing? You could you could hold Nick Bosa. Now you could start the play early before everybody else. Whatever you Unreal. need to do to try and contain him, it's apparently legal now. And guess what? They still can't do it, Vish. I was so happy at the beginning of the year when I saw Nick Bosa's over-under for sacks was 11 and a half. I was cackling as I made the bet. I He's just what nine and a half already. It's absurd. He gets one every week. Did you put did you put the house on it? I didn't put the house on it because you knew Bosa could get injured, but I'm gonna make a nice little chunk of change in a couple of weeks. Okay. I'll just say that. Okay. <laughs> I mean, you're probably gonna make it by next week because it feels like every game with Nick Bosa is just dominant performance. There you go, dominant performance. It's funny because our network, Niners Nation, tweeted, I think it was Kyle Posey who was running the Twitter and he tweeted after the game. He's like, who was the MVP of the 49ers game? And I was like, Oh, I'm going to get a good answer for this. And then I thought about it for a second. I'm like, Oh, it's Nick Bosa. It's Nick Bosa. Every game. It's always <laughs> Nick Bosa. He's their best player. He's their MVP and every game. He dominates. I agree. Cause to me, he's the only guy where before every play starts, you're like, where is he? Where is he lined up? What does it look like he's going to do? What do we have to do? What Do we have to change something? Every single play, he's the only one. He, offense or defense? You could say Debo, but this year I don't think so because he's not running the ball as much. I think Bosa is the only one. And the, those guys, to me, go into a special category because there's not many around the league. And he is absolutely one, especially on defense, not many of those guys go into that category. He's yeah. one. Micah Parsons is one. Aaron Donald is one. TJ Watt is probably another. And then Miles Garrett. Uh, yeah, I guess. I think he's a little overrated. But if you want to really? throw him in there, that's five. Okay. And I think that maybe that's it. Maybe the big Bosa, too. Yeah, when he's out there. That's fair. Yeah. Okay. Five yeah, people. It's those guys. It's, yeah, it's a short six list. Six people total. It's a short list of all guys who are going to have gold jackets on if their careers go as long as we all think it can. Yeah, I agree. But the Niners got to win. I don't know why people think I was so negative. I wanted to start the show positive. I wanted to start with the defense. You made me go negative, Vish. It was you. Rob, actually, I can't remember you really saying a negative thing, to be honest. I was the one who would start every conversation today positive, <laughs> and then I would drift myself to some other negative thing because this game was just actually because that really sums up this game to me. It was confusing on so many ways. Because if, if like Rob, for example, if we take this team position by position and do a breakdown, like we take the quarterback, he played well. We take the running backs as a group because of how Mitchell played, they played well. Fullback played well. Offensive line played well besides McGlinchey, you know, but I did, I thought he had no chance against Khalil Mack. 
before this game too. Like if you wanted to tell me Mike McGlinchey can't block Khalil Mack one-on-one, like what do you want, a cookie? What do you want? You're, you're like Anybody can tell you that. So what do, what do you want me to sit here and tell you? I'm surprised that Mike McGlinchey got his ass kicked a couple of times by Khalil Mack. No. Why would I be surprised by that? Negative. Oh, sorry. Negative again. By the way, no, I should have got to this uh, from Mark. Thanks for the super chat. Vish is a bit of a Kyle Shanahan apologist. You are what your record says you are. That's right, Vish. Yeah, bit. not a bit. Not a, a bit. bit. And like, I don't want Kyle fired, but I'm definitely like... The bloom is off the rose. The benefit of the doubt has been burned through. Like, you got to see him for what he is. That's all I'm saying. And if you want to tell me he's a great coach, I just have to ask by what measure. That's all. Yeah. No, it's funny that he says bit. Bit is actually a little bit kind here because I'll admit (laughs) it. I'm self-aware about it. I love Kyle Shanahan. I definitely, I would say, give him the benefit of the doubt compared to other people that, you know, talk about him. That's I, I like him a lot. I'm biased. Now, I try to keep it as real as possible and be honest about his mistakes, but I definitely harp on his positives more because I like him. Yeah, that's natural. Last thing as we wrap this up. Next week, Monday Night Football in Mexico City. I believe the Niners are practicing in Denver this week. Yep. Is that that's Get accurate? prepared for the altitude. Because it's it's even higher than Denver, really, I believe. If that, I'm pretty sure Mexico City is even higher than Denver when it comes it's, to the altitude. Yes, it's supposed to be, yeah. And that's a real thing that is absolutely a real thing um then the cardinals always give the 49ers trouble and usually it's because they can't run the ball against them and jimmy has to pass to win and that's not his strength do you think that the 49ers will have trouble this year against the cards because they haven't played them yet sort of a weird scheduling thing how do you think that game's gonna go it depends actually i can't believe i'm gonna say this but it actually depends on Who's playing quarterback for the Cardinals? <laughs> right, because if it's Cardinals have McCoy. a little bit of their own version of the Russell Wilson, Geno Smith situation at quarterback. And now it's early, and Colt McCoy is nowhere near as talented as uh, Geno Smith, and Kyler Murray is nowhere near as bad as Russell Wilson at this point. But I also think that defenses have really caught up, and they know how to play Kyler Murray. No. Now, everybody knows what you need to do to stop Kyler Murray within that offense. Sometimes he still makes a few freakish plays, but that's because he's an exceptionally gifted athlete. There's a reason he was a top 10 pick in the MLB and the first overall pick in the NFL. Never lost a game in high school. All of it, the whole nine yards, Heisman Trophy. He's very special as an athlete. But Cole McCoy just plays kind of the right way. He just takes what's given to him. He plays consistent. And I feel like that can give a team like the Niners maybe a little bit more trouble then may say Kyler Murray making one or two freakish plays, but they also have a full idea of um, how to start him. So I do think that it does make a difference. Obviously, Colt McCoy was their house of horrors last year at home. I yep. I, I, I will take blame for that. I, I went to that game. I found out this week, this year, week one, after going to the Bears game, that I'm the jinx. I, I apologize <laughs> to everybody for that, but I'm not going to Niners games anymore. Don't worry. But yeah, I do think that the matchup does change drastically depending on who the quarterback is. And in general, since DeAndre Hopkins has come back, Arizona's just flat out a better football team than they were early in this season. They're still a mess. They're just (laughs) flat out a better football team. Get up on the Cardinals early, and I feel like they will go right in the tank. Nobody, I feel like, has more quit in them as a starting quarterback than Kyler Murray, who famously did not... 
did not well at least Rodgers goes back out Kyler didn't want to go on the field at the end of the game against the Rams last year in the playoffs he refused to go on the field and guys were telling him please Kyler go out there send the message and he wouldn't do it he's a nobody goes dude. yeah he is uh one more thing before we go because I want to give David a little love here thank you for the super chat does anyone know the 49ers win percentage when both Bosa and Debo start Versus when Jimmy G starts. I remember it was some crazy high number for Bosa and Debo, even though Jimmy G is playing very well this season. Off the top I mean, of my yeah, head. I'm sure it's ridiculous. Yeah, I don't know. But look, there. here's the luck with Jimmy Garoppolo. They actually had a stat last night after the game. I don't know if you saw it, Vish. Jimmy Garoppolo had no touchdown passes. In his career now with that win, he's 10-2. and two. When he doesn't throw a touchdown pass, that's the best record of anybody since 19 19- 50. Yeah. First of all, how could there be 12 instances in his career when he hasn't thrown a touchdown pass in 2022? But second of all, damn, man. Like, that's why quarterback wins is a dumb stat. You know what the funniest part of that is? Off the top of my head, two of the better performances I can remember of him having as a 49er are with zero touchdowns. The week 18 against Seattle in 2019. Week 17, I don't think he threw for a touchdown. I think he was 19 for 22, 281 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. And then yesterday. No completions in the second half. Right. Game, and so. then yesterday where I thought he played terrific, top to bottom yesterday, took care of the football really well, was really efficient, moved well in the pocket, was great on third down, threw the ball very accurately. I thought all those things were true and he didn't throw a touchdown. And it's funny because there's also games I remember that he threw four touchdowns. <clears throat> the Arizona Cardinals game, the second game of, 2019 that I thought he didn't play well at all to be honest I didn't think he played well at all but in regards to the Bosa Debo record off the top of my head I know they were 12 and 12 and 3 with Bosa and Debo in 2019 so I'm sure the win percentage is ridiculous when they start their career that way remember Debo didn't play the one game in 2019 against Washington in the monsoon had a hamstring injury but uh, otherwise yeah I, I I think if you start 12 and three and then 2020 is a complete wash, right? Cause I guess 12 and four, if you include the Arizona game, cause Bosa got hurt week two. Well, I guess Bosa started. So Debo didn't play actually week one versus Arizona. He added the broken foot started 2020. So never mind. Yeah. 2020 basically is a complete wash. And then last year they were 10 and seven, but 10 and six. Cause Debo didn't play the one game against Seattle. I want to say, and they lost at seattle so what what are we thinking for that record quick math uh, let's hit them with it rob 12 and 3 plus 10 and 6 what are we thinking 22 and 9 23 and 9 yeah that's yeah. around there uh fab foul watching on youtube i feel like i jinxed my team too whenever i stop watching they win fab foul gotta take one for the team Sorry, turn it buddy. off we'll let you know what happens turn yeah, it off just just tune it. we promise we'll give you this promise stats and i every monday will give you a comprehensive review that's of right. every single thing that happened in the game but if you there want you a go. victory Monday and you want to come here and listen to us on a victory Monday, you got to turn the game off, my friend. <laughs> Dan R. watching on YouTube. Vish, you need better lighting and at least the Niners sock in your background. It looks like you got caught up in Russia. Uh, Okay, so I talked about this a little bit on my stream yesterday. The lighting, I definitely agree with. The issue is my uh, apartment is weird because it believes in natural light. I don't understand why I live in the city. Well, I don't live in the city anymore. I live in a suburb, you know, maybe 20, 30 minutes from Chicago. But the point is, 
we're not dealing with a lot of natural light at the moment. That's why there's a certain thing called daylight savings. It yeah, gets get dark a ring here light. around six o'clock. You think it looks like this in here naturally? No, I have a ring light that sits right there so you can see this vein in my head bulge when I talk about the 49. I got a, I got a massive light here in front of me. In terms of the wall, I've never been a decorations guy. I'm more of a <laughs> functions guy. White wall doesn't bother me. I don't need anything there. It's just the wall just needs to be there. It can be any color it wants. Just be there, wall. But I, I, just, I have heard a lot of feedback about it, and I do think it looks a little odd. I definitely look like I'm, you know, streaming from somewhere in the middle of somewhere. So <laughs> I just picture you in with with just a TV and one of those fold out chairs. You know, those like camping chairs, and it's just that with like NFL Game Pass on a laptop somewhere and a long blue Ethernet cord that connects your your computer to the internet. Okay, this isn't actually that far off. It just so <laughs> happened some of the furniture was given to me my for free by other family members, so therefore, uh -huh. but I have I have a futon kind of thing going on. The futon was the first thing my dad purchased when he came to this country thirty years ago or four, thirty-five cool. years ago. Luckily, he kept it in our basement for that long, and I said, I don't want to buy a couch. I'll just take this futon and insert it into my apartment. And then I got a TV. And then I'll usually just plug in the laptop game pass going on. You know, one computer has a couple games going. The TV will have a couple games going. But hey, it's enough. It's a decent setup. Andre on the YouTube page says, put your McGlinchey jersey on the wall. Come on, Vish. Let's see the big 69 on there on the wall. Yeah, the big 69. But um, I mean, someone's got to send me that jersey. I heard it's out of stock. Niners fans have been buying it too much now. I don't know for what function they've been buying it, but <laughs> they've been buying it. I have no idea. Uh, that's going to do it for this edition of the show. Again, we are so, so thankful for all your support. Please continue to rate, review, and follow the Niners Nation Podcast Network. Subscribe on YouTube. Make sure you hit that notification button so you know whenever we are live. Like you said, Vish, we are going to be here every single week. And once more time, if you want to get the Victory Monday shirt like I have on here from Homage, go to the Homage website. Look up 49ers. It is right there. They have the coolest 49ers stuff. I promise you will not be disappointed. For Vish Kumar and I'm Rob Stats Guerrera. We'll talk to you next week.